This podcast is now streaming on the Accounting Influencers main show. Subscribe to the Accounting Influences podcast to listen to more content just like this. You can also watch this episode on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to learn even more from the very best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents UK Matters in Accounting. Sponsored by Accountex. And a very special shout out to our brand new commercial sponsor for this podcast. It's Practice Win. Martin, you know a lot about these guys, don't you? Yeah, Practice Win came onto the scene in Accountex this year, and they've developed an app that allows the accountant and every member of the accountant's team to curate the content that they feel they need. So rather than having to go through a site and find everything, the specially curated content from the channel experts comes direct to their smartphone. And there's so much content out there, it's great to cut through it. And my firm's app who produced this, they really know what they're talking about with accountants in the mobile space, don't they? Oh, they certainly do. They've been around for a long time. And one thing's for certain, they want everyone everywhere to feel involved from an accounting uh, firm perspective so that they know that that team, whether it's a senior manager or a partner, can access what is needed with ease to help develop their practice. And that's what WIN stands for. Practice, win, what I need. Where can people go to find out more, Martin? Uh, they can go to practicewin.co.uk. That's practicewin.co.uk, where they can download the app for free and start curating their content immediately. Fantastic. You're accounted to get there. And thank you, Practice Win, for sponsoring this show. Welcome to UK Matters in Accounting with me, Rob Brown, one of five podcasts going out on behalf of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network. I'm thrilled to have me today, guest host, uh, chairman of DT Accountants, very successful multi million pound accounting firm, author of Bossit and co founder of ProNation. Carl Reader, good day to you. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for inviting me to join you and looking forward to getting stuck into tax season because I know that. All of your listeners are very busy and have probably got a mountain of tax returns to do. Well, it's a busy time of the year, Carl, isn't it? And we know that in America, tax season is even longer, but it's a stressful time in a way, December, January for accountants here in the UK. What's your take on the whole tax season and the cadence of the calendar year for accountants? I don't need to educate accountants on the tax season and the highs and the lows. But uh, what I do want to do is to talk about some practical tips uh, not not just from an implementation perspective, but also a mindset perspective to avoid having these problems before. Let me first address the elephant in the room. I am sure that some accountants who lurk on social media might see those firms waving the flag that they've done all their tax returns and they've only got two left to sign. Well, you know what? It's really easy to do all your tax returns when you've only got 10 to do. And I don't mean that facetiously. But the reality is that most firms who've got a wide range of clients and a number of clients find that tax season creeps up on them and then it becomes more and more of a stress. Why is that? Really simple, because the volume that you have just exacerbates the seasonality um, sort of November, December, January, and then the quiet time in February, March, April. So I just wanted to lay that one out there, first of all. Um, what I would say, though, is that we as accountants are guilty of creating tax season as the headache that it is. Why is that? Um, two factors, and they both come down to a mindset, Rob. The first factor 
is that we allow clients to take the piss, if you excuse my French, but I think it's deserved. They dictate the agenda, don't they? If we think about MOTs, for example, and the process of an MOT is probably similar to the same process of filing a simple tax return. Okay, takes about an hour. There's some things that you know you've got to do to um, to tick it off and sign it off, and there's a deadline to it. But here's the thing: you would never, ever drive up to a garage and drop your car off and say, "Look, my MOT is due today. Here's the keys. Good luck." You wouldn't do it. Because the mechanic would tell you where to go. Okay. Instead, you would have a calendar and you would see on your calendar that your MOT is due. So you'd phone up your garage, you'd book it in maybe a week, two weeks before. They would book it into their system. This is the crucial part. They would book it into their system. And you would know that you turn up at 10 o'clock in the morning, go off, have a coffee, pick it up at half 11. Okay. A tax return takes about the same amount of times. But what happens with accountants? We shroud it in mystique, don't we? We make it seem like it's a really tough task and you need the professional to make sure it's done properly. So what do we do? We say you must get your records in by 31st of October and we sit on it for two months before doing anything. That's the reality, okay? Guess what? Clients are cutting onto that. They know it only takes an hour. They know that for their 200 quid they're paying, but you're not slaving over it at late nights to get their tax return turned up for a whole two months. So they then take the mickey. They know that your 31st of October is a bit of a cheeky call. And they think, well, it only takes an hour, so I'm going to drop it in first week of January. But because you've allowed this to happen and you haven't got the processes and systems in place, Actually, you've got a mountain of them to do. And when they put it in 1st of January, you can't do it because you've got so many others to do. And you're conflicted. Do I look after this client who's been with me for 10 years? Or do I look after this client who sent it in in October? So that's the issue that accountants face. The first, that's the first fault here is that, unfortunately, um, we have allowed our clients to dictate the agenda of when it's sent in or something, rather than maybe having a booking system or something. I don't know many firms that do this. But that's one way that I would hope some innovative firms will pick up on and run with some kind of way of smoothing your own workflow and dictating that agenda. Secondly, we, and when I say we, I don't just mean the listeners of this podcast. I mean, team members throughout businesses tend to get satisfaction when a good job is done. And the problem is that as firms, we reward our team when all the tax returns are filed by the end of January. Okay. So where is the motivation? Where is it to work in April, May, June, July, August, September? The motivation isn't there. And we give um, you know, flippant nods to certain motivations. Oh, Mr. Client, you can know your tax bill a little bit earlier. You know, if they've got a pretty good idea what their tax bill is anyway, within a couple of grand, they probably, you know, if they've got any common sense to earn a decent amount of money, they've got common sense to work out roughly what their tax bill will be. And if there's something tricky, they'd have probably phoned you to ask you anyway. Um, so they've got a rough idea of what it is. But your team members get the pat on the back when they knock out 800 tax returns in January. Whereas it's been an average of 200 for every month before that. We've built the systemic problem ourselves and we've created our reward structure, not financially, not in terms of um, even workflow targeting, but our inherent reward structure of great job, guys, let's have a pizza day. Uh, we've done really well this year. We've created that based on getting everything done 31st January rather than smoothing our workflow. So that set the scene. And it's set the scene to say it's not just those clients' faults, okay? There's other faults at play as well. Um, yeah, there's practical faults, and I'll talk through some of the practical tips that you can put in place. But those two that I've just covered 
are actually more about the mindset and the approach to it from the leader of the firm. Okay, once you set the culture and you set the systems to make it unacceptable, then actually you won't have a bad season because clients will typically do what you tell them to do because you're their trusted advisor. And if they really are causing you a headache and they're just not compliant, are they the right client for you? So that being said, what do we do to fix tax season? Okay. And I know practitioners are probably already getting a bit tired because I know the capacity is stretched and we haven't got enough team members and there's tax returns mounting up and clients are worrying about their finances. So I get that. And it speaks to mental health as well, Carl. It's such a stressful time for all concerned. It does, Rob. And you touch in on mental health. Unfortunately, it makes my next comment seem really harsh, but I'm going to go with it anyway, because... Um, yes, mental health is a very valid concern. However, there's also a case of hard luck. You didn't work hard enough last February, March, April. So you've got to work harder this February, March, April to prevent it happening again. OK, so I just wanted to cover off your mental health, which is very valid. I'm not trying to undermine that. But it's avoidable, isn't it? That's what you're saying. But it's avoidable and it's in your control. OK, um, when there's things that go on that are outside of your control, like the COVID pandemic, then it's understandable that you would allow peaks and troughs to happen. But you can control your workflow within your practice. You've chosen not to, okay? Because most practitioners I know go off on a skiing holiday in February, okay? They have their quiet time. They allow all their teams to take time off. They don't continue the pace of January through to February and March to finally fix this once and for all. So what do you do to fix it? First things first, you make sure that you have a very timely approach to chasing any records and making sure that you get the data. Now, when I say timely, some firms see timely as, well, we chase them in September, the deadline's not till January. No, 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 no. You chase them in February, March and April, okay? You chase them before the end of the tax year. And it's a perfect opportunity to say, if you're gonna need any help putting this together, you know where we are. If you'd like a tax planning meeting before the tax year end, so that we can advise you rather than telling you in a year what you should have done, then let us know, okay? So it gives you some upsell opportunities as well. But you make sure the cadence of chasing starts in February. It doesn't start in April, Doesn't certainly doesn't start in September. Next up, you make sure that you have an automated process as much as possible to regularly follow up on these. Thirdly, you make sure that you supplement them with a good old fashioned phone call. Because if you're anything like me, you ignore emails. Emails are the equivalent nowadays of the pizza brochures that you get coming through the door. You put them in a cupboard, and when you need them, you rummage around to try and find that Domino's pizza brochure. That's the reality of emails, okay? People, when they get your MailChimp email, they don't think, oh, do you know what? I really need to act on this right now, okay? It's one of 200 emails they get that day. It's put in the drawer, and when they need to speak to you, they'll search it through the um, search functionality. In the old days, that wasn't the case because we didn't have unlimited email storage. But now we do. Now we have so much um, inundation with communications online that that's only the hygiene factor of covering your back to make sure that you can say to the client, we told you 12 times. So you need to have a phone call process because when people phone you, it's important. You need to work out what the value to your client, not to you, to your client is of them getting it filed earlier. So I was a touch dismissive about the um, tax bill projection. I don't necessarily believe that's the sole thing. So I think that you need to be looking at how you can help them, what calculations you can do, what opportunities you can find for them, what tax planning. Yeah, you really need to dig into all of the various ways that will be relevant for that client. You have to bear in mind, not all clients are created equally. 
your high net worth granny who's done really well in life you know she had a really successful business that exited for 10 million she's going to have very very different drivers to um let's say the taxi driver who's retired and his pension wasn't quite enough so he works on mondays tuesdays and wednesday evenings just to make an extra few quid they've got very different drivers but human nature applies to them both that doesn't discriminate okay and humans are inherently lazy so if you're not helping them to help you with your seasonality guess what both the old granny and the taxi driver will drop it in last minute so you need to work out what particularly resonates with each of them to make sure that you're driven in the right way now it might be that the taxi driver you know is trying to cobble together a deposit for um for his kids to buy their first home perhaps or um, might be looking for some refinancing to fund that, um, you know, fund that pension that we talked about was a bit lacking. Well, wouldn't you think a submitted tax return might just help that process a little bit? Okay, but you only know this through truly knowing your customers and knowing which buttons to press to help drive this forwards. Um, there's loads of tools and off-the-shelf methods that you can do for this. There's arguments about penalising your clients for this. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that. Why on earth? Why on earth do you think it's your place to penalise a client when the tax office already does it? Who are you working for? Um, you know, I think that that's a bit, you know, a, a bit unsettling for me. You could be looking at um, early booking discounts. If they come in early in the year, let's say April to June, they get a 25% discount. That could be a way of doing it. You could be looking at implementing scheduling systems. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. But ultimately, the tough part is thinking about how to crack it. The tough part is implementing that stuff. And you need to do it before you get busy again. Carl, this is terrific. There's so many ways accountants can take charge and recalibrate their calendar to be much more effective, serve the clients better. It's the kind of thing you talk about in pronation, isn't it, really? It really is. So, um, you know, these approaches, they're not for everybody. And some things will work, some things won't. I know uh, one of the recent discussions in pronation, actually, was around automated reminders for tax returns. And somebody was saying their client had had 20 text message reminders. And then we had a conversation about who are the best suppliers for the kit that does this and so on. So we can go deep into it. But, um, but I think the message I want to share today, Rob, you know, whilst there is that opportunity, and I'd love to have anybody join us to do that the core message the impact i want to deliver on this one podcast but yeah if i can do anything it's to change that mindset around the seasonality and for firms to have intentionality behind february and march and april rather than taking your foot off the accelerator now's the time to push forwards carried it easing the tribulations of a busy tax season for accountants that's been terrific thanks so much for your time and your insights today Influencers Broadcast Network presents UK Matters in Accounting. Sponsored by Accountex, 